bips, this shit crazy. Jimmy on a beat, boy. Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of the Trophy Room. I am still here in my basement rocking with you. So much college football going on today, or this weekend, and it's wacky, it's wild, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, what a weekend. We told you it was going to be rowdy, and it absolutely was. So, obviously, there's so much to hit. We have both games that happened. My absolute breakdown... Not breakdown as in I'm breaking it down, breaking it out as in I emotionally broke down Saturday night, as many of you probably know. Okay, so we have that, we have rankings, we have people saying that the SEC is going to be out of the national championship this year. There's, it's, it's rowdy for sure. Okay, so coming up, United States is announcing a diplomatic boycott and China is coming back fired up about these Winter Olympics. Also, I was right about Bama, just so everyone's counting, checking. And we're looking at another repeat of 2017. Hopefully this time it's flipped. So I am uh, all by myself today. Jackson is off having a good time doing school. So just me today. I'm thinking I might. I know I dropped a little bit about. I told you guys last week. I think it was when we recorded on Friday to get you guys ready for the weekend of conference championships. I teased a little bit about Hawkeye. So before I hop into, so right after this, we're going to go Bama, Georgia. Then we're going to go Michigan, Iowa, which we're not going to spend any time on that because Iowa, I'm not sure if they showed up to the game. I just know that Michigan did basically an Ebler, every, absolutely everything and anything that they wanted to do from a football perspective. So we're going to do that. Then we're going to re react to the rankings. And then there's a bunch of coaching changes going on that I think are important to discuss because they direct traffic. I think a little bit of where we are going in terms of the college football landscape, especially with this conference expansion, maybe, or not conference expansion, playoff expansion, conference expansion, like you heard us talk about last week is also super important. And then from there, we're going to hit this diplomatic boycott of the Olympics because you've probably heard about it and you're probably wondering, what does it mean? And I'm going to tell you, don't worry, I did my homework, the most studying I've done in the last three months. So we will get to it. Don't you worry because I'm fired up and we might have to bring it back for a minute when Jackson gets back on because I think he'll be just as rowdy about it as I will. Okay, so Hawkeye. So I won't spoil anything. Because I know that there's a lot of people who haven't watched it because of reasons that we've discussed. Also, fun fact, just for anyone who's wondering. And I don't know, maybe I'm the... I, I hope I'm not the only one like this. But I'm... How old am I now? 23? And I'm just now learning how to type. So give me a round of applause if you are also way older than you should be. And have not yet learned how to put your fingers to a keyboard. Which is crazy because I love to write. The weird, this is the craziest thing. I love to write, and I promise we'll get to it in a second, but I love to write, and I, I can't write. My hands shake all the time, so you, like, you can't read my handwriting. Anyone who's, like, looked at anything I've written with my hand knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm the worst. Like, I'll drop off cookies with thank you notes, and people are like, this is a hate crime. Like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to accept this or disregard it. Like, I look like, like a three-year-old got mixed up with a cat, and they decided to start writing. That's what it looks like when I put a pen to paper. And I have not ever learned how to type on a keyboard. So, like, I don't peck, but, like, my fingers do not start at the F and the J that apparently they're supposed to. So I have this little online uh, program. I literally just typed in learn to type on this website, or on Google, and I've been using this website ever since. So not a, not a shout-out, but that's a shout-out if, if you are also – way too old and have still not yet learned how to type like a real adult as I'm learning. I have to become okay. So Hawkeye. So like we've discussed in the past, it's like, we're not really sure what to expect anymore. We're not sure if we're going to continue on with the Marvel thing, especially because like Loki, I don't really feel like gave us anything significant until the end and then WandaVision, we had a whole issue because we got to the end of WandaVision, which was was pretty decent, but it took forever to get started. 
you get to the end of WandaVision, and then afterwards we learned that there was all the stuff that they cut out for different reasons. Like if you didn't know Doctor Strange was supposed to be in it, but apparently he was cut out of it, and they changed a couple things at the end. And then Loki, like, it was kind of cool, but you almost felt like it was just kind of a holdover. And then nothing really happened until the last episode, and we still don't really know what's going on. And it's it's very easy and apparent to see that it's not what it used to be, right? Because when we first started, we had Iron Man. And we actually weren't even sure where we were going. We just knew the movies were good and the casting was incredible, that we were willing to follow the path that Marvel was reading, leaving breadcrumbs for. And we ended up with Avengers, which is, to me, like, that's history of cinema, where you're able to pull so many main characters together in a movie that doesn't feel overpowered in a way that you almost felt like infinity wars a little was a little bit just because there was way too much going on as we've had this up and down path we've gotten to a couple avengers movies and we culminated with infinity war and endgame which are two of the greatest movies of all time in terms of hype in terms of building a culture and then culminating it so amazing And then afterwards, we took like a little bit of a dive where now we're doing these limited series, these TV shows that are, I don't know if I call them hit and miss. Some of them are really good and some parts of them are really good and then some parts of them tank, right? Like I loved the action in Captain America, or not Captain America, Falcon and Winter Soldier, incredible. The chemistry between Bucky and Sam, incredible. But you did feel like there was a little bit of unnecessary conflict. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you know, you know. There were certain parts of that show that weren't necessary. Like Sam could have just been a bad A Captain America. I had no problem. I loved him as Captain America. But it did feel a little necessary. That being said, now we have Hawkeye. And I believe this is the only limited series we have for one of the original Avengers. And I'm not talking about comic book originals or however you want to dive into that, but I'm talking about from the original movie from 2011, I think it was. Like, that's the OG. It's the first limited series, but to be fair, everybody else has had a movie, and Clint hasn't, which is a shame because Jeremy Renner is an incredible actor. So... Your question is, is it worth watching? Because Jackson has had the same question. He has not yet watched it as of last time we talked. This is what I'll say to you. If you felt like the first couple... This is one of the issues I've had with some of these limited series. Is that the first couple episodes, you don't feel like you know what's going on at all. And I feel like with... In in movies, it's obviously a little bit different because there's a balance to bringing it all in and drawing it a little bit back so that you don't feel like you're overpowered, but you do understand where this is headed. And with, with a lot of these series, you don't feel like you know where it's going at all, like any kind of direction. There's no scope. There's no angle. And so Hawkeye's been really cool. The second and third episodes, the first episode... I'm not really a fan. The one cool thing I'll say about Hawkeye is they drop a lot of Easter eggs in the beginning. And a lot of Easter eggs that tie into, like, the rest of the MCU. So, I'll just drop this because I don't think it's a spoiler. At least, it's not a spoiler to anything that I've seen. But... The villain of the whole series is Echo. And I think they call her Maya in the show, but I only know her as Echo because that's what my boy Soups calls her. So Echo is like this deaf supervillain, and she's kind of a badass. She's dope. Her uncle is Kingpin, okay? So roll with me. This is all I'm going to say because I didn't think it's worth watching. But I told you guys last time there's a connection between this Shang-Chi, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, all of it. And we know that this show is going to take place, it's, or it's going to be releasing when this absurdly esoteric, just massive explosion of a movie that we're getting, which is um, Spider-Man No Way Home. So, in Hawkeye, and also, 
what's her name? Haley Steinfeld. Amazing. Gorgeous. Super cute. Plays the part really well. Okay, so Echo. Echo's the supervillain. She's deaf, which is kind of cool because there's this parallel to Clint also being deaf. Or he's losing his hearing. He has a hearing aid. And his hearing falls out. And then he has to work off sign language alone. They have to get it fixed. Anyway. So Echo's the supervillain. Name's Maya. Her uncle is Kingpin. If you don't know who Kingpin is, I honestly didn't either. But Kingpin is, we see, in Into the Spider-Verse. Which, if you haven't seen that one, I don't know if it's MCU canon, if it's directly correlated or not. I haven't done the research. But it's a really good movie. Like, it's not an adult movie. Like, it's definitely a kid's movie. But it's so well done with... The lighting and the graphics and the animation and the storytelling and the characters and the casting is all amazing. I actually know um, one of the editors for that movie when I was, I met him when I was working in, when I was living in Vancouver. Anyway, so Kingpin into the Spider-Verse. If you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, the whole thing is that Kingpin's a super bad villain who for some reason wants to break the multiverse and I can't remember why. But he wants to basically open all of the holes, all of the portals. And what it ends up doing is it brings in all these Spider-Men, Spider-Girls from different universes. So, Kingpin is the uncle to Maya, to the supervillain of Hawkeye. And it's revealed that you get like a little bit of an Easter egg when you see um, Maya's dad... Not show up for a certain thing. Anyway, so there's Kingpin. Where am I going with this? Totally lost my train of thought. But I do think that's how it's tying in to Into the Spider-Verse because... I like or into this new Spider-Man movie because I have a hard time believing that there's this whole thing about breaking the multiverse with kingpin in this other movie and then kingpin makes an appearance in hawkeye and there's still a lot left to go on in hawkeye anyway and i don't remember oh okay bringing it back this is why i remember so if you remember at the end of if you saw shang chi which is also worth going to see if you liked black panther it's it's honestly this is not a race thing. It was just like culturally, it was a similar movie plot shot for shot to Shang to Black Panther, except it was China. And it was still really good. I can't remember the name of the C. Liu. I can't remember what his name is. The guy who plays Shang-Chi, incredible. Again, the reason Marvel is incredible is because they cast so dynamic. If you remember at the end of Shang-Chi, at the end credit scene, there's this scene where Wow, I'm blanking out on everybody's names, but there's that Chinese guy from Doctor Strange, and he's talking to Shang-Chi, and I wish I could remember his name because, oh, Wong, sorry, Wong is talking to Shang-Chi, and they find out that Shang-Chi's rings are calling to something. If you follow Soups on TikTok, Instagram, he's this content creator for pretty much all like superhero comic book stuff. But he makes, he dumbs it down in a way that you don't feel like you have to be this nerd that's way too into it. And you don't feel like it's super pretentious. Like, he just makes it super entertaining for everybody. Anyway, he knows a lot, a lot more than I do. He breaks it down and basically did all the research. And his guess is that the rings are calling to whoever created them. Which apparently is this alien dragon race of people. Then, in one of the episodes of Hawkeye, Maya, Echo, the supervillain, is talking to her dad as a little kid. It's a flashback. And I don't remember why, but they're making conversation about being able to travel between the universes. And this idea of dragons being able to travel is brought up. So I don't know how, and you can call me crazy, and I'm not pretending to make sense, but I think there's some kind of connection between Kingpin, Into the Spider-Verse, Shang-Chi, and this new Spider-Man movie. Because 
I have a hard time believing that the only curveball that they're throwing at us is this Toby and Andrew thing because they've already let the cat out of the bag with the other original superhero, uh, original Spider-Man villains being in this new movie. So I have a hard time believing they only have one twist for us. I think there's a couple other things going on. And I think this could be one of them. And if not now, it's going to be eventually. Because they've also said this is not Tom Holland's last Spider-Man movie. They're going to make more. I'm not sure if I'm here for it. I'm not sure if I'm riding the train on it. But I'm intrigued to see what they decide to do with it. Because you have the story already written. You can now kind of drive whatever trails, pave whatever paths you want going forward. All of that being said, is the show worth watching? I think so. I think the chemistry between um, Clint... Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner, whatever you want to call him, and Haley Steinfeld's character is incredible. And you don't feel like it's very much like pro-women, but not in a, fa- a way that you feel like it's over-sexualized or gender roles are being called into question. Like, it's just really cool. Like, they work together. They're both bad on their own. And they both, one happens to be a man, one happens to be a woman. Really, really cool show. There's a lot of other Easter eggs that I haven't even tied into that I could, but I won't. But it is worth watching way better than um, Red Notice or whatever we were talking about the other day. Super, like, I think it's a good show. Plus, it comes out once a week. You get to go back to the days where you actually had to wait for TV shows to watch and you couldn't just binge them all at once, which I actually kind of enjoy. Like, I enjoy getting to wait till Wednesday to watch Hawkeye because it's, it's really obviously the budget's a lot higher than your average tv show because it's a limited series but it's super entertaining so i'll give it like four out of five hawkeye masks my arbitrary rating like i I, like right now maybe three and a half maybe a high three low four maybe like a seven and a half which i know is a super basic rating but it's good so watch it i think it's worth it all of that being said we're gonna skip to mama georgia because i've done a lot for hawkeye I honestly, I went into work yesterday and my boss goes, he goes, honestly, I'm surprised to see you here today. And I said, don't worry. I did my, I did my sobbing. I did my manic breakdown. I didn't get it. Like no cap. This is how it went for me. I stopped watching in the middle of the third quarter. I come back downstairs, watch for a little bit more. Stetson Bennett throws a pick six. Decided I didn't. I, I, I finished out the game, but literally, like as soon as the clock hit zero, I went upstairs and I got in bed. And a lot of you were probably out on the West Coast saying, "Oh, it was like like it was." I think it was like it was eight o'clock my time, eight thirty maybe, because the game started at four. I got in bed, no cap. Like I was in bed, got up to go to the bathroom once. I went to sleep, and then I did not get out of bed until three o'clock the next day. So when my boss said, "I'm surprised to see you today." Like, it was real. Like, I did have a breakdown that night. But you got to, like, get up and live life at some point, right? Holy cow, was that a tough game to watch. If you're not a Georgia fan and you're just a fan of watching the number one seed get upset, then this was great. But I'm going to bet that most of you are probably not that way because of one certain reason. What did I tell Jackson on Friday? I don't know if I said this word for word, but this was a point that I wanted to illustrate. The scariest thing in sports is a Bama team that is counted out with a chip on its shoulder. Nick Saban loves that ish. Absolutely loves it. Because every single time it happens, they come out and rail whoever the committee or whoever the world, whoever Vegas, whoever we decided to say, you know what? I think they can handle Bama. Bama says, no. You ever think it's funny? Like you show up to a bar, you show up to class, you're walking around, whatever. And you see a dude and you're just like, you look at the guy and then you look at the girl or vice versa. However you want to look at it. One person is significantly more attractive than the other. This happens to me all the time. I see dudes that I'm like, look, I respect you as a man, but that girl is super hot fire. Like, just absolutely beautiful. Drop dead gorgeous. Like, what am I doing wrong? 
and you and you have this right or other way around like anytime you see one person out of another person's league you immediately put yourself in that person's shoes and you say wait why am i not the person dating the person who's way significantly out of my league I would be willing to bet nine times out of 10, it comes down to one of two things. One, usually 10 times more than the other. Usually it's because that dude has confidence or he's really, really funny. But I would argue if you're really, really, really funny, it's because you're really confident. There's a difference between confident funny and insecure funny. You could be a really, really, really insecure funny, but being confident funny is always going to win out. And so... You know what I'm talking about. Like confidence is key. Confidence is killer. Confidence overcomes a lot of things. Like it doesn't matter how long anything it is. doesn't matter how tall you are. no matter how good looking you are. Like if you're that confident, you can beat the insecure guy who's a 9 out of 10. I would be willing to bet because there's a couple of things that are a little shocking but also critical about this matchup that we had on saturday between number one georgia and number three bama that ended up being an upset so regular season everyone wants to say oh georgia didn't play anybody well first of all georgia played two of the exact same opponents as alabama that bama struggled with and georgia rolled okay so let's Let's toss this out the narr- this narrative out the door that Georgia just played a ridiculously weak schedule and that's the reason that the game ended the way it did. I'm not arguing that Georgia's indisputably invincible and so great that no one can touch their feet, but they're not a bad football team and they were not a joke. This was not overhyped. Georgia played the two teams, two teams who gave Alabama trouble not named Texas A&M. Georgia played Arkansas, and Georgia played Auburn. Both of those schools held a lead over Alabama, and both of those schools almost beat Alabama. And both of those schools, after playing Georgia, looked like shells of them former selves. Arkansas looked like they didn't know how to play football against Georgia. And same with Auburn. It was close with Auburn for the first little bit, but then Georgia rolled. And with Auburn, with, Al- with Arkansas, it was never close. Both of those schools, all like, easily, nearly beat Alabama. Like it was not a definitive win for Bama. So this narrative that Georgia is weak and that they're not that good, let's toss that out the door. This is what I will say though. I do wonder, and and look. I think the Georgia defense is incredibly talented. N'Kobe Dean is a baller at middle linebacker. They have an amazing linebacker core, elite linebacking core. Don't really have DNs, more of just big, strong outside linebackers. And then you have Jalen Carter and DeAndre. Wow, not DeAndre anything. Jordan Davis on the inside. I do wonder, though, we're getting, we want to talk about confidence, right? Confidence is key, confidence is killer. I do wonder if there was an intimidation factor that could not be denied when all of these teams went in to play Georgia. Because there were plenty of talent on the opposite side of the ball with a lot of these schools. In fact, at the beginning of the season, there were people talking about KJ Jefferson winning a Heisman. And also, when Georgia clapped Kentucky and Arkansas, both, I believe, were top 10, if not top 15. So, just cut it out. Georgia's good. But I think a lot of these schools went in with a chip on their shoulder with this idea that they could not, no matter what, could not be this Georgia football team. Which we found out to be a lie. Sorry. Alabama did not succumb to that in any way, shape, or form because actually I won't say that. That's not completely true because at the beginning of the game, you did feel like Georgia could roll when they were up 10, nothing. And it was almost proverbial. It was almost metaphorical, a microcosm of the game when Georgia threw the, I think it was like a five yard goal line 
fade essentially to the tight end to the 6 7 240 tight end who played receiver in high school darnell washington and just it wasn't even a moss because to define it as a moss would connotate that there was some chance that the other guy had a chance to catch the ball and he didn't and at that point it almost looked like okay this is what georgia is they don't take crap it's 10 nothing and it might not stop and then Jamison Williams happened, and John Mechie happened, and there was just no way for the Georgia secondary, not only the Georgia secondary to not stop Alabama, but the defense couldn't get home to sack Bryce Young either. In fact, I don't think they had a sack the entire game. So, before we even have to talk about disputing it, Bryce Young won the Heisman Saturday night. Indisputable, like it's not even close. Heisman, Bryce Young, we don't even need to go to New York. We already know. Aiden Hutchinson, you're good. You're not winning. Will Anderson, you should have be going to New York. You're not. It's a snub. Don't worry about it. Georgia knows a little about being snubbed because Brock Bowers absolutely shredded Bama's defense, even if nobody else wanted to, and he's getting no respect at all. Anyway. So I would ask, I would submit to you a couple of questions because – there's no disputing that Alabama was the better team on Saturday night, and it's because they were not at all afraid of Georgia's defense like other teams were this season. But it would submit this to you. Two questions. Should Georgia have a better quarterback? And is Kirby Smart on the chopping block? And what I mean by, th like, think about that. Should they have a better quarterback? Everybody should have a better quarterback, but it's like we talked about the other day. You're either not worth the value or you can't go out and get it. Georgia is worth the value to have a better quarterback, and they can go out and get it, so why don't they? That goes to the next question is, is Kirby Smart on the chopping block, or should he be? You tell me when the last time Alabama didn't have, essentially, I won't say elite, but like let's go above a 7.5 out of 10 at quarterback. I, I, I don't remember... Even Jake Coker was a good quarterback. I can't remember. A Blake Sims was a good quarterback. A.J. McCarron, electric. And then you have Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones, and now Bryce Young, who I would argue might be the best quarterback Alabama's had in the past 20 years. And if they don't have him, I don't know that if they win. I don't know if they beat Arkansas, and I don't know if they beat Auburn. So, I don't know. But then you look and you say, every other top team in the country has a top quarterback. Why doesn't Georgia? Okay, Jake Fromm, while as talented as he was, didn't pan out at all. He got to the NFL and has not even ever been a starter, not even really ever been a backup. And then you have... They had Justin Fields, but they didn't give the job to him. Why? Because Kirby... Bel the Justin Fields one's a little bit harder because Jake Fromm went to a national championship a freshman year. And any freshman who goes to a national championship, Bryce Young is one of those, it's hard to tell him he doesn't deserve the job. But, shouldn't Georgia, the number one team in the country, like, you've all seen the movie Rudy. There have been comments made about Rudy by Joe Montana and other Notre Dame players who essentially felt like Rudy was a little bit of a distraction. Because let's be honest about Rudy. As great as Rudy was, I don't remember Rudy winning a national championship. I don't remember him saving a game. I don't remember him scoring a touchdown. Like, Stetson Bennett to me is essentially Rudy. If Stetson Bennett had had this season where he came out and he looked like a Heisman Trophy winner and he'd just been disrespected through high school, I'd give it to you. But Stetson Bennett is not the quarterback for the number one team in the country. He deserves a job at an Auburn, an Arkansas, a Missouri. Awesome, dude. But you're not beating Alabama. And if you were, you would have done it. Saturday night. And if you were, you would have done it the year before. He's had two chances to play Alabama and he's blown it both times. Because Georgia actually did have the ability to win the game. Stetson Bennett just couldn't make. He made two big of plays. 
in some deep down darkened corner of his intestines, I think he believes he's disrespected and therefore he needs to overachieve and overcompensate for what people believe about him. And he didn't. And if that's the case, if Kirby Smart is going to stick with that, then you have to wonder, well, is Kirby Smart the reason they're losing games? I'm not sure if JT Daniels was the answer. There's a lot of people who do. But here's what I do know. Stetson Bennett would never start at Alabama. He would probably never start at Oklahoma, and he probably would never start at USC. Loyalty is important. But we're not here for loyalty. We're here to win championships. And I do wonder, Kirby, you've had a lot of chances to beat Alabama and you haven't been able to do it. And I don't know if that's a coaching issue, but I do know it's a Stetson Bennett issue. They had opportunities to win that game and Stetson Bennett blew it for them. Not in major fashion, but in when it's it's apples and oranges when you're comparing good football teams to teams that are going to win national championships or bust. Stetson's not that guy. And that might be the reason. That might be what costs Georgia. I do wonder. I thought there was going to be a point where they were going to pull Stetson Bennett from this game. I do wonder if JT gets to start at Michigan. Maybe not. Maybe. But I do know Stetson's not winning you a national championship. And if he does, I will get Stetson Bennett's fat head put up in my apartment. I don't even think you can buy one. But. Regardless, Stetson Bennett's not that guy. Okay, Michigan-Iowa. I didn't stay up for it. I told you that I had a nervous breakdown because of what happened after watching the number one defense in the country and maybe one of the best defenses of all time. Regular season, I'll add now. Get dismantled like a cheap Ikea table. Look, Iowa sucks. I get that the offense is good, or the defense is what we thought was maybe elite. Were they elite, or do the people they play just really, really suck? And you can say, oh, well, isn't that the case with Georgia or any other SEC team? I gave you the SEC spiel the other day. I'm not going to give it again. How come that Big Ten doesn't have as many teams going to bowl games as we do? Because it's not as – it's – it's the separation is there a lot more in the Big Ten than it is in the SEC. Now – Michigan rolled. We knew. I told you that Iowa's defense was nothing worth phoning home about. I told you the offense sucked. I didn't realize the defense was going to look like that. The one thing we've known about Michigan all year was that they could run the football. They have Blake Horam and Haskins, who are both elite running backs, I would argue. Thunder and Lightning. And we knew the offensive line was good. We didn't know, though, how good the pass game was. We knew that it was just not even a compliment, more of just an add-on to the offense that has that shows up when it has to. I believe they did have a receiver go down, and that's been part of their issue. Regardless, this game wasn't close at any point. I watched the highlights. There was no sign of Iowa ever being able to take this game. Michigan did absolutely whatever they wanted to Iowa. They ran whatever chick plays they wanted to. They forced the ball down their throat, and they threw the ball decent. So then the question has to become, well, did Michigan get the respect that they deserved on Sunday? And I want to talk about the Baylor-Oklahoma State game, but unfortunately it didn't end up paying dividends because Cincinnati went out and beat Houston. I was wrong. Cincinnati beat Houston, and I was wrong about that. And I am man enough to admit when I am incorrect, and I was. So, it's unfortunate that Cincinnati won because that meant that Baylor's effort, which was elite, meant absolutely nothing. So the question is, am I happy with the rankings? Should we be happy with the rankings? I don't think so. I don't think we should be upset with the rankings. The only thing I could say that we should be upset about, I think there's two teams that got very disrespected in this. Baylor, in that they didn't get to play as high as they should have. I Like, I believe Baylor should have been ranked way higher. Like, maybe ahead of Ohio State. Maybe. 
because Ohio State is also a two-loss team, and they didn't even play for a conference championship. I, like, I think this Baylor defense is elite, and Baylor's backup quarterback went 15 for 15, three touchdowns in the first half. Fizzled out at the end, but that defense showed up and showed up big. And then BYU, the only reason BYU is not undefeated is because they shot themselves in the foot a couple of times. But, like, make no mistake, BYU's biggest opponent was BYU. And you could call that more of a blessing, more of a curse. You could look at it whatever way you want. But they deserve to play someone better than UAB. We gave them UCF last year, and as a man who goes to BYU, we deserve better. BYU has weapons at offense, on the offense. Like, a lot of weapons. And the defense is not shabby, because you've got all those poly boys on the back end. And on the front end. They just shoot themselves in the foot like they did against Boise State. And their other loss was against Baylor, who we found out at the end of the season, towards the end of the season, that they're elite. So, like, again, BYU's going to roll UAB. Like, absolutely steamroll. Like Thanos did when he had the gauntlet. It's going to be done. It's going to be over. And I think Baylor's also going to win their bowl game. I think part of that is BYU just needs to get into a conference. And so once they're into the Big 12, that will solve a lot of these issues. Because some of the bowls are, I mean, the bowls are predicated on where do you play. Which is part of an issue. But it is what it is. Okay, so should Michigan be number one? That's like one of the things that people are really upset about. Absolutely not. What did Michigan do that proves to you they deserve to be number one over... Uh, Georgia or Alabama. Nothing. Like, you steamrolled Iowa, great. But Alabama shredded the number one defense in the country. They shredded Georgia. So, to me, quality win matters. I don't, nobody was really arguing that Iowa was elite. I think, I think the Big Ten just had a down year this year, and that's okay. But Michigan had an up year, and I think part of that is Jim Harbaugh is earning a stay of execution. Now, I was talking to my cousin the other day, and I was reminded of something. He believes that the Harbaugh brothers are overhyped. I don't know about that. I could see the argument. I don't know if I'd raise it. But it wouldn't surprise me if Jim Harbaugh finds a way to choke against Georgia. We'll find out about that. All that being said, though, Alabama, to me, you put Alabama and Michigan on the field, I think Michigan's losing to Alabama. And Alabama only has one loss. And their loss, I think, is a lot less bad and a lot less recent than was Michigan's. So then the next question people are worried about, is Cincinnati too low? So there's this narrative that, well, did Georgia deserve to be three and did Bama deserve to be one? Or was the committee just saying, we don't want them to play again back-to-back, so we're going to stimulate it in a way that that doesn't have to happen? Okay, Cincinnati, not better than Georgia. A worse Georgia team beat Cincinnati in a bowl game last year, which I think matters a little bit. And can we stop this narrative that Cincinnati is being disrespected? Because if they were so good, then why are they still in the American Athletic Conference? I get that they're moving into the Big 12. But if they're that good, why haven't they been rolling the AAC for like the past 10 years? Because they're good this year. Like, let's not let recency bias give up now. Like, let's not give up what we know now for what we think we're going to want later. What we know now is that Cincinnati is really good right now against American Athletic Conference opponents and a Notre Dame team that I believe is washed. Like, it has nothing to do with the Brian Kelly leaving. It has everything to do with, they've just never shown us this year, like, there's no pop, there's no wow to anything they've done. Like, tell me, like, the most elite player on your team is a safety. And Kyle Hamilton's great, but he's injured. And, like, there's no elite, I don't even know who Notre Dame's quarterback is. Like, there's nothing to this Notre Dame offense that I'm like, wow, they could roll some of the best guys in the country. And Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs, just as a caveat, because every time they get in, they have Oklahoma syndrome. Every time you get into the playoffs, you get steamrolled. 
So I'm not worried that Notre Dame didn't make it in either. Cincinnati is ranked at four, not because of the committee. I mean, maybe the committee did want Georgia to not play Alabama again. But Michigan wasn't that much better than Bama. And Cincinnati is not that much better than Georgia or Michigan. Recency bias cannot dictate choices that you make going forward. Recency bias should factor into it, but it should not be the end-all, be-all. Because they're not that good. Like, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Cincinnati is not the man. Like, you can say what you want about Georgia. And I get that Georgia's not Cincinnati, but let's do, for analogy purpose... Georgia steamrolled everyone they played regular season, except for Clemson. Who you can say what you want about Clemson, but statistically, their defense is still elite. It was their offense that sucked. Georgia steamrolled everybody. That's why they got the respect they deserve. Cincinnati did not only not steamroll people, they didn't steamroll against people that aren't that good. Like, I don't know how many times I need to repeat it for people. I get, you can have a bad game. I'll give you that. You don't get to have two bad games against teams that had only won one football game prior and you squeak out with a win. Let me remind everybody, Tulane had a true freshman quarterback who I believe had like one start coming into that game. And they almost lost to Tulane. Navy, one one win. Almost lost that game as well. Like, that's really cute. Like, that's really cute. Like, you're really good, bud. Like, way to go, pal. But just because you're, like, pretty good against people that suck does not mean you'll be elite against people who are elite. And it blows my mind. Like, if you like Cincinnati, awesome. If you're a fan of Cincinnati, great. But if you think they deserve to be higher than four, I'll tell you what right now. Baylor beats them. Ole Miss beats them. I would argue most teams in the top ten probably beat them. BYU beats them. Like, they're good. They're just not great. And once you get into a conference and you compete with Power 5 teams, we'll see what you're made of. But if you think, and this gets me to my next point. So on the rankings reaction on ESPN, Jesse Palmer comes out and he says, well, he says, this could be the, like, this could be the year where we don't have an SEC school in the national championship. Like, we won't see Bama or Georgia in the national championship. Okay. Let us remember what Michigan has shown us. They're pretty good. They did almost lose to Nebraska. They were upset. I can't remember by who. But Michigan State beat them. And then Michigan State turned out to get beat by Purdue. Like, Michigan State is not without its faults. And I'm not saying Georgia is either. But Georgia proved to us a heck of a lot more than Michigan did. And then if you're one of the, if you think Alabama, like Alabama essentially got a first round bye. I like, I do not believe, I believe there will be some fire under the tails of these out, these Cincinnati players on defense. But you know, they want a rematch with Georgia. And this is why not because they need it because they don't, they're Alabama, their brand, like they're Nike. They don't have to outsell Adidas one year to know that they're Nike because they're going to do that anyway. They don't have to do it the next year. Like, they just know that they're Nike. But everyone, if you're a Georgia fan, you should want Alabama to win. And if you're an Alabama fan, you should want to win. Because if you lose to Cincinnati after beating Georgia, people are going to wonder what your team's been on. And if you're a Georgia fan... Like, let me, this is what the SEC means to people, right? And, and Georgia fans can disagree with me. You can agree with me, but odds are, you know exactly what I'm on. To me as a Georgia fan, a national championship doesn't count if we beat Cincinnati to get it. Like, I'd rather beat Bama 
then beat Cincinnati, obviously. But if Cincinnati beats Bama and then we beat Cincinnati, I don't we're like I don't respect that. Because I'd rather lose to Alabama in a national championship than beat Cincinnati for one. Because to me, it doesn't matter if you can't beat Bama. Because we all know that's the number one team in the country. It's not Michigan. It's not Cincinnati. And so when you know that, then you know that these rankings are set up exactly how they're supposed to be. So, all that being said, we're in for a good game between Georgia and Michigan. The other one is just essentially a first-round bye for Alabama. I don't see any way in which Cincinnati beats them. Especially with Will Anderson, because that boy is a dog. He's elite. He should be going to New York for the Heisman, but he's not. Shame on the Heisman Trust. It is what it is, though. Okay, so I did have uh, the Patriots absolutely... I don't even know what... I've been using the word steamroll. I've been using the word rail. Like The Pats are back. Which is sad to say, because if you hate Alabama and you're not a Pats fan, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. My older brother is a Pats fan. I hate the Pats, not my brother, but I do hate the Pats. I think I hated them more when Tom Brady was there. But it will be interesting to see if Mac Jones is the new Tom Brady, not in the way that Mac Jones is just the most elite quarterback to ever play football, but in the way that he's like the face of this team that just no matter what, play with Ouija boards to the point that they just seem unbeatable because they know something the rest of the world doesn't. But, yes, the Pats are back. They're number one in the AFC right now, and if playoffs were to end today, they'd have the number one seed and they'd have a first-round bye. I won't hop into it, but I think the Bills' issue is that they're very Josh Allen dependent, and Josh Allen isn't dependent on anyone but himself. And the offense runs through him, and it becomes one-dimensional because they have basically no run game because they just don't go for that they absolutely should have gone for Najee Harris in the draft and they didn't or ETN either one would have worked out so and the Rams clapped the Jaguars yesterday you like the Jaguars the the Rams went I think 0-3 the last three weeks before they played the Jags I think part of it is they're learning how Odo Beckham fits into this offense and it's so far not been well I think they've been trying to force him the ball way too much and need to go back to just playing Rams football. But, like, even if you start dating the girl of your dreams, there's going to be hiccups, there's going to be growing pains. Like, you just have to figure that out. Every relationship takes time to work. So let's just give the Rams a little bit of time. They didn't struggle with teams, a bad team yesterday in the Jaguars, or Sunday. Like, they beat who they were supposed to beat. The three games they played were tough games. And... No, let's stop the Matt Stafford slander. You don't want Jared Goff back, even though the the Lions did win on Sunday. You don't want Jared Goff back. Matt Stafford's elite. Just let him figure out the offense. Okay, so I told you I'd get to this. This is my last topic. We did Hawkeye. We did college football. We did NFL for 30 seconds. So, I don't know if you've heard about this. But, but you know how it would be in the U.S. Every, if we can't get politics in sports, then we're going to put them in the Olympics. If we can't ruin our American sports, we're going to ruin sports for everybody else. I'm kidding, but I'm kind of not. So there was an announcement made, I believe it was yesterday, that the United States announced a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Which... Didn't Beijing just hold the Olympics? I guess that was summer, but like, when are we going to get them back here? You know what I'm saying? I want them back in the U.S. Anyway. So, if you're wondering if a diplomatic boycott means that the United States is not competing in the 2022 Winter Olympics, don't worry, we are. All a diplomatic boycott means is that we aren't sending... I mean, it's what it sounds like. We're not sending diplomats. We're not officially sending, like, United States representatives to watch in China. Which the Chinese government has come out and has declared that this is, like, Cold War type stuff. 
which I don't agree with. And you can feel however you want about the diplomatic boycott, but this is why. Over the past couple of years, we've seen China start to play the cards we knew they were holding but never showed. And China has also warned that there are going to be repercussions if we do this diplomatic boycott. I think their bark is a lot worse than their bite because I don't really think they're coming for us. I don't think they want that. I don't think they want the smoke that the world would start. But I do respect China for this one thing. And I'm not even sure if I would say respect. But they argued that this is all bark, bark and no bite. Which I agree with. And let me get to this in a second. But a diplomatic boycott, all it means is that people aren't going to the Olympics officially. Now, could those same people who we pay way too much money to to make decisions that don't reflect what we actually want, those same people can afford to go and watch the Olympics. They're just not going officially, which if it was me, I'd rather go unofficially anyway because that means I got less stuff to do when I get there besides just watch sports. But they made an interesting point, China did, when they said, this is just the U.S. trying to politicize sports. Interesting. And they're partially right, but also, I don't really respect any of these politicians, and here's why. If you know who Ennis Cantor is, Ennis Cantor Freedom, I believe his name has changed to, like, I, we, we had those guys in the past, you'd be, you had uh, World Be Free and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, these guys who changed their names for political reasons. I didn't know, and Meta World Peace, and now, like, my early adult life now we have someone who's done that and his cantor freedom has changed his name he has been coming at lebron and if you don't and and his cancer like i don't necessarily always agree with his political standpoint but he's consistent like he really believes in the stuff and which is good because you have a lot of people in the world today who claim they want to fight for human rights and they don't they do it because the media narrative have swung that way and they actually make more money that way Colin Kaepernick is one of those people. If you think Colin Kaepernick actually cares, you're full of crap. He does it because he's making more money than he ever did playing in the NFL. To, he it's How ironic is it? Like, it's catch-22. He complains about not being in the NFL, and that's actually what makes him more money than anything he's ever done. Like, Nike, I don't know if people realize this. Nike and Netflix have combined pay him more money than he ever made when he was a quarterback in the National Football League. So, there's that. But Ennis Cancer has been protesting for a while, and he's been calling out LeBron saying, if you care so much about human rights, why don't you attack China? Like, why don't you stop getting all this money from China for it then? So, and before I hop into that, let me... We've seen China do a couple of things in the past that have been a little raunchy, a little risque in the wrong way, if you know what I'm saying. And we've seen the Hong Kong stuff that was going down uh, two years ago, I think, and might still be going on. I don't know. Like the media narrative swings and issues don't stop, but coverage does. So essentially, the only thing we know right now, and I'm sure China's doing lots of things that are far worse than this, but they're basically creating internment camps for Muslims. And if you don't believe me, but there's a pendulum for media narrative that just swings and that's when people start to start being upset about it. I remember a time when I was growing up that Muslims were attacked and those are the people that the media was going to war for and saying, wow, we need to treat these people better. They're being interned. Like they're being put into camps and being tortured in China. And nobody seems to care. But is that because we we, we we somehow stopped, like, Muslims stopped mattering? No. It's because the media told us what to be upset about. They've stopped telling us to be upset about Muslims, and therefore we don't care. But now people are starting to get upset again, so the media says, yeah, we've cared about this the whole time. And that's why we're going to stop, and we're going to stop these camps that are happening in China. 
And that's why we're going to do a diplomatic boycott. Now, the one thing I will say is China said this is mo this is more of a bark than a bite. Like, this is BS. Like, you don't actually care. They didn't really say that, but that's essentially what they said, which is true. Because I don't think any of these people care. LeBron James doesn't care. Like, Megan Rapino doesn't care. If any of these people really cared about human rights, like, if Megan Rapino really cared about human rights, why doesn't she be upset that people, like, women that she plays against have their rights taken away? And so the reports are on this thing that, like, that one of the stories was about this mother who was living in China and she got called down to go to the police station and they basically put a black hood over her head and put her in a camp and they tortured these men and women. They called them re-education camps. They claimed that they were for vocation, but we have interviews from the, uh, from amnesty, which I amnesty international, sorry, it's organization interviews with all these people who's coming out of these quote-unquote re-education camps are saying the same thing it is interesting to start to see the pendulum the way that it's swinging not even for media narrative but for how we sterling choosing to feel about things because again back to Anis cancer he's been calling out lebron for this the whole time like there's plenty of companies that use cheap and immoral and illegal labor in china because it's cheaper there and so you're doing two things that are both horrible so LeBron James complains that about the racism and about the unemployment here in this country. Well, if LeBron, if you really cared about human rights, why isn't it? Like, why don't you just tell Nike and you get a bunch of your boys who also have Nike sponsorships, who also claim to care about human rights, and why don't you say, you know what? We want to shut down these, these we either want to increase the quality of these shops in China and Thailand and all these other countries, or we want to shut them down. We want to bring them here and open up jobs for all these people. And we claim them on the streets because the United States is actively trying to keep them poor. Why don't you do that? Because it would cost you money. And I get it. Like, I'm not, I don't have a million dollars, so I can't say that I'd be willing to give up that much money. But I'm also not masking a raid around on a national platform saying I care about human rights and turning my blind eye to it when the company who gives me money wants to roll around in said blood money and do whatever they want. Like LeBron James is essentially rolling around in blood money because he claims to care. Like it's very hypocritical. They claim to care about human rights, but when China does it, they turn a blind eye and they say that like LeBron has said – I need to get educated on the subject. But when Daryl Morey says, hey, that's not right, we say, you know what? You need to calm down. Like, you need to shut up and dribble because you don't know what you're talking about. So the story is, and, and you can you can look at it. Like, they have plenty of interviews with plenty of these um, people who have been detained in China and been put in these camps and then escaped or been released. Um, it's just really sad. That any of this has to happen and like yeah i'm i'm grateful that the united states is saying we're gonna diplomatic boycott because i i don't know that the government can do anymore but i do know that the private sector can i know that we can speak because we're essentially letting a bully hold his own camp and do whatever he wants and we're just walking around it and acting like it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect us individually and personally. And it's a shame and it's sad. And I don't know if it's our job to go over and police the world and say you can't do that. But I know if you're friends with a bully, don't enable the bullying. Like if you're at work and you're friends with the guy who's the bully at work, you can be friends with him. But if you're there when the bullying's going on, Supporting it makes you look just as bad. And LeBron James, Nike, Megan Rapino, you guys are rolling around in blood money that you claim to be against. And so, yeah, bottom line of the story is the United States is not pulling out of the Olympics. We're still going to compete. It's still going to be entertaining. I think this story will put itself to bed here pretty soon because I don't think China's actually going to do anything. But all that being said, I guess we'll find out. China is a big bully, and 
we're starting, maybe, we'll see if this is the tipping point to where we actually start to do things about it, where people start to say, wait, LeBron, why aren't you doing anything about that? Because you're my moral leader, and if you go against China, then so will I. But if you don't, then I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to feel about it, because this is the year 2021, and I don't know how to think for myself. I just know how to do what I'm told. Oh, did I say that? I say that out loud? So that's how it is. We're not pulling out. We're still competing. Odds are we're probably going to win everything because all these boys from Utah and Idaho just win every single event in skiing and snowboarding. And then we just have absolute studs loaded on lock for all the skating. So it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really entertaining. We'll see if this starts to cause some issues, some ruffles. It is absolutely a travesty to hear about these camps in China. And I hope that people actually, people who have the power start to do things about it because that's their job. You want to say you want to be a role model, then be it. But you don't get to be it when it's convenient, be it when it makes you money and not do it when it doesn't. All that being said, that is the trophy room. That is my time. Y'all have just a completely like extoplastic day. I don't even know if that's a word, but just have like a, just like a really just stellar day. Cheers.